Praise God. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. We, uh, we talk about so many things and how to be blessed and the things that would be on our, in our hearts and going on in our lives. But the question today is, how do you manage your life? How do you get through life on a day-to-day basis? We all have ups and downs in life, and we, have, we all have many challenges. We have things that would distract us from life, but we just have to stop and ask ourselves, how are we managing? And today, God is asking you to think about how do you manage your life? And as we have to do everything based on the word of God, because that's where our guidance is, we need to look forward to see what God would have to say to us today. And so today, I'm going to speak to you with, uh, with a few scenarios, okay, so a few scenarios as we look at the word of God. And the first scenario, scenario if you can kind of picture this, it takes place in a full gospel, good old born-again Christian church. The sermon had just been delivered with such an anointing. The pastor had used scripture as infallible proofs, and the sermon was not compromised in any way. All said and done, it was a good message. In the meantime, there was a Sister Sarah. Sister Sarah was sitting in the third row and had been saying amen throughout the service. She was saying hallelujah throughout the service and appeared to be totally immersed and totally hanging on every word that came from the pastor's mouth. At one point, she even leaned over to the woman sitting next to her and said, hallelujah, it's about time someone preached the truth. She was really enjoying the service. After the service was over, Sister Sarah was out in the church parking lot with other congregation members, and they were discussing the the topic of the inapplicability of the sermon that they just heard and how can it apply to life in the 21st century. They were enjoying and talking about what a good service and message it was. Everyone was in excellent spirits as they started saying goodbye to one another and waving farewell. Sister Sarah climbed into her car and started on her journey home. However, little did she know, little did she know that the seeds that were sown that day were going to be snatched away from her. Let's pause and go to Matthew, book of Matthew. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Little did she know. She had heard a good, spirit-filled, spirit-inspired message. She really enjoyed it. She was saying amen and hallelujah all through the service, so she was in agreement with what was being said. But she didn't know that those seeds that were sown were going to be snatched away. Verse number 18, Matthew 13, verse number 18. Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. That which is which which receives seed, this is he which receives seed by the wayside. He that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in him, yet hath he not root in himself, but endureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by it and by he is offended. He also that received Seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he that receives seed into good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit and brings fruit, 
some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So in verse 23 where it says, receive, uh, here's the word and understands it, underline it, understands it, and understands it. Which also beareth fruit, brings forth some a hundred and some sixty and some, some thirty. Back to Sister Sarah now. The next day, which was on a Monday morning, started like any other day. And Sister Sarah arrived at work at the usual time. As she entered her office, a co-worker approached her with a worried, intense expression on her face. She went on to tell Sister Sarah that the entire section was going to be laid off due to budget cuts. Since Sister Sarah had been on vacation for a week, she didn't receive the email and didn't receive the letter that was sent out to all of the employees. So she had no idea what was going on. The co-worker went on to say that Sister Sarah's position had been abolished and that she was no longer going to be employed there. The co-worker finished her doom and gloom announcement by saying that the boss, by the way, was waiting to see her and that she should be there and report to his office by 1030, which was about an hour away. Sister Sarah suddenly felt slightly dizzy. She suddenly felt a rush of fear descending upon her. Suddenly felt a rush of fear descending upon her. Sunday's sermon that she listened to was on supernatural faith. The pastor had preached a dynamite message quoting scripture on Abraham, Moses, and the teachings of Jesus Christ. The message focused on walking by faith and not by sight. And it focused on Hebrews 11 concerning now faith. At the ending of almost every sentence that flowed from the pastor's mouth, Sister Sarah had injected Amen. Hallelujah. As God's words in the form of seeds left the pastor's mouth, the seeds went forth. But where did they fall in Sister Sarah's life? She sat during the sermon saying, hallelujah, amen, right on. Talked outside after the service about what a dynamite service it was on. It was about. But yet still, where did those seeds fall in her life? In the scripture that we read a few minutes ago, Jesus equates the word of God with seeds. He goes on to say that if we hear the word, but do not understand it, do not understand it, do not understand it, the word is stolen away by the evil one. He goes on to take it a step further and says that if the word is immediately received with joy, but the word is not deeply rooted, Jesus said something happens. When the person comes upon tribulation or any challenge in life, there is great difficulty in coping, where there is great difficulty in coping, and what was heard is of no benefit. In essence, the seed of the word is stolen away. So where are the seeds falling in your life? In the case of Sister Sarah, she heard the word and greatly enjoyed it, but hearing the word without understanding the word is unprofitable. Verse 19 above says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then comes the wicked one and snatches it away, that which was sown in his heart. We know that in scripture, the heart of man is a type of the spirit of man. So what Jesus is saying here is that if, if the world is, if the word is not understood, it can be stolen from our spirit. Therefore, the understanding that Jesus is referring to is not dealing with superficial understanding or head knowledge, but deep spiritual understanding of the word through Holy Spirit revelation. When we listen to a sermon, we must desire to get that word or see deep down into our spirit. 
We should always ask for deep spiritual understanding and Holy Spirit revelation before the sermon starts. When you're preparing to go to church in the morning, what you should be praying in your prayer time with the Lord in the morning, regardless of how uh, brief it may be or something, hopefully you have a little time to spend with God before you come to church, pray and ask God for understanding. Pray, when we go to church, we should be expecting to hear from God. We should even be expecting a blessing. We should be expecting to hear some revelation information from God. We should be expecting to simply not just go there and sit for an hour or whatever, (coughs) excuse me, and, and just hear the word, but to really understand it in a way that I can be blessed. All of us have challenges of some type going on in our lives, all of us. Some may be bigger than others, some may be smaller than others, okay, but all of us have things, you know. Our lives are like many times balls in motion where you're juggling things and you're just juggling the balls up in the air, trying to keep them from hitting the ground. We all have things going on. So when we're going to church, I mean, during the week, hopefully you're spending time with God. But when you're going to church, that should be the one time on the seventh day, you know, for us to rest. To the one time we should be going to church expecting to kind of bask in the glory of God. To kind of bask and hear from God. To kind of bask and hear some, some answers to my questions on how I can deal with things coming up Monday morning. Sister Sarah sat there in the church and she enjoyed the sermon. She talked about it. But then when the, when the rubber hit the road, come Monday morning when she went to the office and got that devastating no, news about her being laid off, what happened? What happened to the word that she had said just a day before in church saying, amen, hallelujah, right on, Lord. Oh, boy, it's about time somebody preached that message. What happened to all of that? Where did the seeds fall? Every Sunday before I start my sermon, I did it today, if you notice or not, I asked the Lord to prepare the, the hearts, the hearers' spirits as fertile soil to receive the seeds of the word. Because my desire is that for the listeners, <coughs> excuse me, is that they receive the word and all its meaning and that it gets deeply, deeply rooted in their spirits by Holy Spirit revelation. If I'm talking to you, <coughs> excuse me, if I'm talking to you and you're not getting this deeply rooted in your spirit, then... The words are just falling out onto the floor, onto the tile. The purpose here is for you to receive the word, understand it, and then get it deep down into your spirit so that you're just not simply here saying hallelujah and amen. But come Monday morning when things arise, you don't wind up being becoming like Sister Sarah, all of a sudden falling apart. Amen? <clears throat> In other words, if the word is deeply planted... When the enemy brings a trial or a tribulation into our lives, we don't cave in and fall apart at the sound of bad news. You don't cave in at the sound of bad news. The words, if you've been hearing it from Sunday to Sunday with words of encouragement, when whatever comes into your life come Monday morning or come Sunday afternoon after you leave church, okay, when something comes up, you just don't fall apart. You know, and many, many times when something happens in your life, Holy Spirit will bring back to you remembrance of something that you heard in a sermon, of something that you read in the Bible. Okay, but the thing is, is that if you don't if you don't understand it enough to link it to how this applies to you, then the word has been snatched away from you. It's been stolen away. Okay, you know, it's like someone saying to you, like, like, you know, here's a brand new car. And it's outside. Then all of a sudden, when you need the car, you go outside and the car is gone. Well, so it can be with the word of God if you're not getting it deep in your spirit. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here and read these words and then sit here like Sister Sarah, you know, say, "Uh uh-huh, amen. That sounds good. That sounds good. But do you really understand how that links? 
Do you really understand how that may be applying to your situation? Do you really understand how that may be applying to the situation of the lives of those that are around you? Friends, family. (coughs) Excuse me. In other words, if the word is deeply planted, when the enemy brings a trial or tribulation, we don't cave in and fall at the sound of bad news. If the word was deeply planted, it quickly blossoms forth to counter, to resist any adverse or bad actions or words or news. For demonstration of this, if you read the scriptures where Jesus was tempted by Satan after his 40-day fast. Jesus was tempted. He didn't give in. All Satan wanted to do was to get him to bow down to him. Can you imagine where we would be right now, right this moment, if Jesus had bowed down to Satan? Can you imagine where we would be if mankind had even managed to get to the 21st century, being that that was 2,000 some odd years ago, if if we managed to get here? Amen. But Jesus didn't. Jesus understood the word and he quoted it right back to him and he used it. Back to Sister Sarah for a moment here. Sister Sarah did not have the seeds of the word deeply sown in her spirit. While she enjoyed the music of the choir and had gotten caught up in the feeling of the service, she did not truly understand it. The word did not get deeply sown in her spirit. If she had understood the message with Holy Spirit revelation, she would not have caved in. She would not have allowed that spirit of fear to come upon her. As soon as that office worker told her that didn't you get the memo, didn't you get the email, that your, your position has been abolished and the boss wants to see you, all of a sudden fear descended upon her. Literally. She got so upset she started feeling dizzy and weak and nauseous and everything else. The spirit of fear. Amen. So if that very word that she had heard just that Sunday morning before had been deeply planted in her spirit, that foul demonic spirit who's out there creeping around could not have come upon her to make her feel physically sick, could not have made her feel ill. Things happen in our lives and having raised three beautiful children, praise God and everything. God knows that we had times when things certainly popped up when the kids were younger and when they were a little bit older. even. (laughs) Amen. First thing my wife, Tanya, and I always did, as soon as something happened, we grabbed hands and we prayed. And we prayed. And having youngsters in your life, you'll find that there are always things popping up. Amen? But you learn to pray. You remember what the Word of God says. You remember what demons to rebuke. You remember what to bind up. You remember what to cast out. Because the Word of God is deeply, deeply planted in your spirit and you understand it. Okay? Understanding something is that... If you are, uh, if you uh, go out to, to work on your car and, and something goes wrong with the car, it doesn't start or something happens with it. If you know anything about cars and you understand about the car, you can pretty much diagnose what the problem is and you understand what to do to, to, to fix it. Amen. You get a flat tire. You don't go falling apart. You don't go to pieces because you understand what needs to be done to fix it. One of a couple of things, either you go, you get out the car, you open the trunk and you pull out the jack or you go in your wallet and you pull out your car to AAA and you call them. Amen. But either way, you know what needs to be done. You don't fall apart and let that spirit of fear come upon you. Oh, Lord, I got a flat tire. What am I going to do? Well, the same thing is in our lives. If you've heard the word of God, it's been preached, you've been reading the word of God and you've, you really understand it. Then whatever is happened, whatever that particular thing is that is happening in your life right away, you can draw a line. to. You can, you can connect the dots to what the problem is. You can, you can connect the dots to what spirits may be in action that you need to come against. You just don't fall apart because you understand the message. You understand how it works. You understand how fixing a flat tire works. You understand how that car works. You understand how your washing machine works. You just don't fall apart. 
Okay, so the thing is, is that if you understand it and something happens, you know what to do. Sister Sarah was told what to do and she was she heard the instructions and was really joyful in hearing the instructions. But then when the rubber hit the road there, she didn't know what to do when that spirit of fear rose up. And the pastor had spoken about that. Amen. 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 So she didn't understand the message was Holy Spirit revelation. She would not have allowed that spirit to come upon her if she had truly understood the word. She would have immediately gone into action in the name of Jesus. She would have rejected the negative words of her co-worker was putting forth, just as the pastor had stated in the Sunday morning service. So many times we sit in church and we listen with our minds wandering and thinking about other things. And it's a part of human nature. Sometimes it's very difficult for even adults to focus on one thing and stay focused. There's all sorts of shiny things that keep popping up in our minds to distract us away. I always joke about the Easter ham that's in the oven cooking while you're in church. People say, oh, boy, that ham's going to sure taste good. You know, after the sermon is going long, it's getting on lunchtime, your stomach starts rolling. You start thinking about the salad bar over over at the Olive Garden or whatever place. And your mind just starts wandering, start wandering, wandering. Okay, you see? And the interesting thing there, too, is that if you understand, really understand the word of God, and how it all works, when that does happen and your mind starts drifting and you realize it, you see, because one thing that's great about us having Holy Spirit is that Holy Spirit will snap you out of it. Thank God you will not sit in a service for a whole 45 minutes while the sermon is being preached and just wander, your mind wander through the whole 45 minutes. At least I hope you don't. Amen. But if the Holy Spirit that's in you, your mind may drift away for a minute or two, but the Holy Spirit will snap you out of it in a minute. He'll bring you back. You say, you hear what's being said? You hear what I'm saying to you through that man, through that woman? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? He'll snap you back. Okay? But if you don't understand how that operates in your life and snap yourself back, then you will realize, well, gee, if I don't focus on it, you will say to yourself, if I'm not focusing on this message, then there must be something in this message that I need to hear. There must be something in this message that the devil does not want me to hear. So, therefore, he also is either causing me to get sleepy, that old spirit of slumber, that old spirit of slumber. Amen. I remember in the old church back east, man, it was hot summer days. And pastor saw people just kind of zoning in and zoning out like that. He'd have everybody kind of stand up and just do like this, twist a little bit, twist a little bit. And then he'd say, you don't want that spirit of slumber to steal this message from you. You see, you got to understand how it works. So if you're sitting there, you know, and, and you're not finding yourself not focusing, bring yourself back to focus. Because the very thing that you're zoning out of may be something God wants you to hear. Maybe something that you can benefit from so that you understand what's being said and get it straight down in your spirit because you don't know what's going to happen Monday morning. You don't know what's coming down the pike on Monday morning. You don't know if there's going to be a Sister Sarah situation in your life Monday morning or for that matter, Sunday afternoon. So you got to hear the word of God and understand down in your spirit. What is it that the word of God is telling me? We Christians need to prepare our spirits before we go to church and before the sermon starts so we may benefit from what is being preached or taught. <coughs> Excuse me. We can no longer sit in the service and simply, simply enjoy the music and shout a few amens. How deeply, how deeply are you letting the seed be sown is dependent upon your desire for Holy Spirit revelation. The other thing in understanding is that the quicker you get to the point of understanding that I cannot live my life by myself, 
I cannot live my life um, uh, absent Holy Spirit, God giving me decision making power, giving me decisions to understand what I need to decide to do. The minute you can get to that and really, really understand that, then that will help you to get to the position that when I go to church and I'm hearing the word of God, I need to prepare myself to really, really receive it. You see. How many here realize that. Unless there is a. A prescribed, predetermined message or sermon that has been dreamed up by others and has been planted on the calendar. First Sunday of the month, the sermon will be on the third Sunday of the month, the sermon will be on. And every single Sunday it has been planned out what the minister is going to preach on. Okay. If that church is not running like that, then the message that you're hearing should be Holy Spirit inspired. If the message is really Holy Spirit inspired and you are a child of God, then that means that there's something in that message that you need to hear. I really rail against against and I I don't I don't apologize for this, not whatsoever. I really rail against any organization that has predetermined sermons all planned out a year in advance on on December 27th. Right now, they can tell you exactly what the sermon is going to be about because Holy Spirit doesn't lay out his word that way. Holy Spirit lays out the word according to what needs to be said. The Holy Spirit lays out messages according to what God wants people to hear, because God knows what the needs are in their lives. And our job is to come to the service and then to try to connect the dots and to hear and to listen and say, Lord, how is that impacting my life? Help me to understand. So when you first of all, the first level of understanding here is that the message that I'm going to hear, I'm praying about hearing and that I want to hear, Lord, and I understand. Speak to me in your own special way. Reveal to me what it is that you're saying so that I can take that message and incorporate it into my life so that those seeds can be gotten deep down within my spirit. Because, Lord, you know what's going to happen Monday morning. I don't. You know what decisions are going to be made, either for me or for against me. Maybe something good, maybe something not so good. Lord, you know what Monday's going to be. So help me to understand, Lord, so that I can be prepared. How does this word link to my life in the 21st century? How does this link to me and my job, to my family, to my home, to my car, to my house, to my neighborhood, to my dog, to whatever it might be? Amen. How does it, how does it relate? Is there something that I need to do? We can no longer just simply sit there and just enjoy and nod and say, oh, yeah, amen, that makes sense, that makes sense. The question is how deeply, how deep is that seed being gotten down into your spirit? God is faithful to draw close to you if you just draw close to him, you know. See, the funny thing is, again, I think I said this last week or maybe the week before, but, but many times we pray for something and we get blessed by God and then we forget about it. During the time we were praying and wanting that thing, oh boy, oh boy, we needed help so bad. We needed help very badly. And then all of a sudden we got it and then we just kind of slack off. But God says if you draw nigh to him or if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. You see? You see? And God will test you. You heard prophecy. God will test you. He let tests go out there. He wants to see who's faithful. He wants to see who is really, really listening. Who's going to be strong enough to make it through the test. Knowing that God is there. So, 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 so for this Sunday, before you even leave today, ask yourself, where are these seeds falling? We should all be reminded from time to time and ask ourselves, how even how would Jesus react? What would Jesus do in times like we are in today? What are some of the things that Jesus, Jesus would do? Remember the old, um, 
the old little head bracelets and T-shirts, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Remember those years? They were all very popular, hats and everything, you know, T-shirts. Ask yourself today, resurrect that in your mind when you have a challenge come into your life. Don't be like Sister Sarah and just all of a sudden fold because you're bad. What would, what would Jesus do in a situation like this? What would Jesus do? Yes, we can ask WWJD. It can be applied to every aspect of our lives as Christians. So I'm going to be on full of scenarios today, and I'm going to give you a couple more scenarios. Here's one. You have just heard from someone in your office that John Jones has been talking about, about your recent project and is trying very hard to make you look bad. Then to add insult to injury, you find out that not only is he talking about your project to make it look bad, but he took your data, took your information, put it into his project and presented it to the boss. And he winds up getting a raise. He winds up getting a promotion with the data that he stole from you. You worked so hard on that project. The boss is now giving him a a promotion. Now, in the natural, we all know how you'd like to respond. (laughs) Yeah, right. We all know what we like to respond. <laughs> Amen. Right? Right? But WWJD, what would Jesus do? Amen. What would Jesus do? How would, how would, how would he respond to that? Here's another scenario. Your son or your daughter has been raised in the word since birth. Now that they are, they are away at college, their grades are slipping, and you're getting extremely worried. You find out that they are associating with a bad crowd. You try to talk to your child, but there seems to be a different person there. It seems like you no longer know this person that you raised from childbirth. You try to remind them of their Christian upbringing, but all you see is rebellion in their eyes. All you see is rebellion in their spirit, and you just can't seem to get through. You finally issue an ultimatum to the child. But guess what? The child still rebels. What would Jesus do? Okay. As I see the belts coming out of the pants over here and the shoes coming off and the paddles being reached for, what would, what would Jesus do? One more scenario here. You are a member of an important committee at church, and everyone is working very hard to reach the committee's goal. Everyone has been assigned a critical role in all are laboring to a tight time, time, tight time frame. The final meeting of the committee is going to be held this afternoon, and you are relying on one of your Christian brothers on the committee to help you with the the computer inputting and doing some word processing. You look at your watch, and he's already late. Then the phone rings, and it's your Christian brother. He apologizes, but tells you that he won't be able to help you because he had a change in plans. He has left you holding the bag. Now you're smoking mad. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Okay. Before you fly off the handle and everything, stop and ask yourself, what would Jesus do? The truth of the matter is that Jesus is supposed to be our role model. We should strive to emulate him, to to imitate him in all that we do. And now it's nice to run around saying WWJD, but do we do we allow ourselves to be as patient, understanding, merciful and loving as Jesus was and is? Jesus clearly knows and understands the human condition. Jesus knows the heart and the mind of mankind. The word of God says that he lived and experienced uh, everything that we experience today. Jesus knows the thoughts of men, yet he continually pours his love out upon us. He knows the temptations, the anger, the joy, the sorrow that man can, can know today. 
He knows because he experienced it. But he still shows us love and mercy. Let's go to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. And we're going to start at verse number 12. Let's go back to 9, verse number 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Okay, meaning that we stop trying to do it ourselves. Okay, and, and, and you can put a highlight here in verse number 10. For he that entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Okay. This also means to stop trying to do it for yourself. How many times have things come up in your life, there are things that you're struggling with, and you're just looking for every single answer, every single way out, and you're just trying to do everything. You're just laying awake at night, and you're trying to do this, you're trying to all sorts of things pop into your head that you should be doing. Okay? Finally, what you need to understand here is to stop struggling with your own works. For he entered into his rest, he also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. So at some point in your life, if there's something that you're really wrestling with and you're struggling with, maybe you're trying too hard. Or maybe the things that you're trying too hard are the human things that you're trying too hard to do. Maybe it's time for you to just cease and let God do his thing. Let God do his thing, you know. One sign of not being committed to God when we said we are children of God, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, Lord, I give it to you. One thing that is showing you're not really committed is by you continually trying to do things yourself. Amen. You see, and the real trick is knowing last Sunday we talked about um, uh, casting all your care upon God, but not your responsibility. All right. The thing is that the, 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 the real deep trick, the trick is to understand what is my responsibility and what's God's. Once you identify what your responsibility is and what your role is, you should do that and then stop doing anything else. And part of your role and responsibility is, first of all, to trust God, to have faith in God. One of your roles and responsibility is, first of all, to go to God, to bring it to God. But then you have to learn, when do I let loose? You know, you know, you know, or, or it, 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 it's like you um, giving your kid to the babysitter. And you trust the babysitter. She came with high recommendations. She's a great person. She's a Christian. You drop off the kid seven o'clock in the morning or so and you say your goodbyes. You hug the kiss the kid and you go outside. The babysitter says, OK, see you later. And you, she slams the door and locks it, closes the door and locks it. And then as soon as you're out of sight, you run around to the side window. You start looking through the window. <laughs> you start peering through the window. You start making sure that the babysitter is doing what you think she should be doing. And then if any one little thing looks untoward, if any little thing looks a little bit off, you bang and you knock down the door and you get it and you go inside and you try and do it yourself. And then when you break down the door and you get in, it's not what you thought it was. All right. But here you are taking over the babysitter's job. You're, 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 you're intervening. So many times, saints of God, so many times when we are praying for God, we're looking to God for answers. We're looking for something from God. And we want to cast our care. We, we partly cast our care upon God, but we hold on to the rope so we can pull it back. 
Or we, we hold on to the ladder so we can climb up to see what God is doing. Okay? That's your own works. You've got to cease from your own works and let God do his. You see? So you're hearing this today. Let that seed of words sink down deeply into your spirit so that you can learn when to release. Okay? He goes on to say in verse number 11, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. You see, you, you realize that the more you keep trying to do it yourself, that that shows that you're not believing in God. You see, and we don't realize that. We don't realize that. You see, but by you continually trying to do it yourself, you're actually saying, I need to give God a hand. I need, I need to help him. God doesn't know that I wear a size nine. Gee, I'm praying for shoes, but boy, I got to make sure he knows I wear a size nine. <laughs> you know? Sounds ridiculous, but we do that so many times with the things that we're praying for and hoping from God. You see, you see, you see let us labor, therefore, to enter into the rest. You want to work, work on doing something, labor. You want to labor. You want to work after doing something, work on entering into God's rest. That's what you need to work on. Work on that. Instead of working towards trying to accomplish that which you've given to God, unless any, unless any man fall under the same example of unbelief. If you don't do that, you wind up walking, working in unbelief. Okay? Again, it's like, again, the babysitter. You say you trust the babysitter, but yet still you're looking through the window, you're looking, and you're ready to pop in there any minute because you don't really believe that she can take care of the baby. Well, in essence, we do the same thing with God. We're praying and we're saying, take it, but yet still we're trying to do it ourselves. Verse 12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay, underline that, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So God knows what is deeply going on in your heart. He knows what's deeply going on in your spirit. He knows how much you trust him and how much you love him, how much you really, really want to give it all to him. You know, see, the word of God, the word of God is the word of God. And a two-edged sword, that means it cuts both ways. A two-edged sword cuts going this way, right to left. A two-edged sword cuts the other way going back. The word of God discerns. The word of God reveals, okay, what is going on in your spirit. You can stand up here like Sister Sarah did and she just shouted hallelujah and amen. Boy, this is a good sermon. This is a good, this is a good message. But the sword cutting back the other way showed how much she really, really understood and believed. Because when the co-worker said you're getting laid off, boy, she went to pieces. See? So the word of God is quick. It's quick. And, and, and the word quick in scripture there, they, they, they all also means um, alive. It says to be quickened. It means to be brought to life. The word of God is alive. Verse number 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened upon uh, unto the eyes of him, uh, of him with whom we have to do. Uh, seeing then that we have a great high priest, who is that, the great high priest? None other than Jesus Christ. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Please underline, let us hold fast our profession. Okay, hold fast. Hold fast our profession. So if Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you know that as the Son of God, you've accepted him as a Son of God and, and as your Savior. Hold fast. When the Word of God shows us in Scripture, whenever it says hold fast, hold fast, hold fast to what thou hast, holding fast means to hold tight. Holding fast means to hold on with dear life. 
Now, if the word of God says that so many times through scripture about holding fast on something, then why would God say that? Because there's a possibility it can be taken away from you. If someone is telling you to hold tightly onto this, you're getting on a ride and hold tight, hold tight, hold tight. There's a possibility you could lose your grip. Hold fast to your profession. Hold fast to the word of God. God is telling you, hold fast. Now, why would God tell you in his infinite wisdom, why would he tell you to hold fast to something if there was not a possibility of it being taken away from you? Amen. So what you're sitting here today and you're nodding your head and you're saying, that sounds reasonable. That makes sense. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, hold fast to that. Hold fast to that. Sister Sarah didn't hold fast to that. She was amen, and, and, and the message was all on in my little scenario there. The message was all on faith and, and, and having faith in God, Abraham and Hebrews 11 and so on. The message was on all of that faith stuff. But did she hold fast to that? No. And the word of God says, hold fast. So if you don't hold fast to something, that means that there's a, there's a, there's a possibility that it can be snatched away from you. Okay. And, and, and who has the responsibility of holding fast? We do. Okay? If we're climbing down a mountain there, you know, we're back climbing down and going back down to the ground level and we're up high and you're holding on to that rope. And I'm your instructor and I'm telling you, hold fast to that rope. Hold fast to it. Guess what? I cannot hold fast to that rope for you. Only you can hold fast to that rope. Only you. Only you. I can scream across the way there, hold fast, hold fast, there's ice below, ice below, hold fast. But I can't reach over and grab that rope in your hands and hold fast. So you have to hold fast. So understand this today. That this word for God means that you are responsible for holding fast. You're responsible for holding on to what you are hearing. Today, next Sunday, last Sunday, all of the messages, things that you may hear during the week, you're responsible for holding on to that. Okay? All right. Hold, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the, um, with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace, grace to help in time of need. Verse 15 again, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the, um, with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The same things in life that you go through, Jesus went through. The same things. All right? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus didn't have my boss. <laughs> Jesus didn't have my job. Jesus didn't have people in the office here coming against me. Jesus had a whole lot worse than that. He had Satan himself after him, first of all. Had Rome after him. Had the Jews after him. Everyone was after Jesus. Okay? There were all sorts of temptations that were laid before him, which he didn't didn't succumb to. Amen? Amen. He stuck to what? He stuck to the word of God. Because he understood the word of God. How many of us would have withstood when we were being, if we were being whipped and knowing that our fate, our fate had before us crucifixion, being put up on a cross. If you read history, you read the books on the subject matter, the Romans were expert at their craft, expert at their skill of crucifixion. They knew how to do it. And it was painful. But Jesus held fast. He held fast. He knew what the Father in heaven meant. He knew what the Father in heaven intended to do. 
Jesus could have freed himself at any given moment. He could have raised his hand or spoken a word and a, and a host of angels would have come down and set him free. That wasn't the plan. God could have done that one, two, three. Could have changed everything in a heartbeat. But God had a plan because he was thinking about us. So Jesus knew. Jesus felt the emotions that we feel today. He felt the joys and the disappointments that we experience today. He knew that a man could be a loving being, but at times man would also suffer from lapses of faith. He knew that he knew that he loved man enough to give his life, but he also knew that man could not be totally relied upon. Yet he still showed mercy and understanding when the disciples could not watch with him for one hour. A couple of more scriptures here. Let's go to Matthew 26. When he couldn't watch with him for one hour. And go to Matthew 26, verse 39. Verse 39. Praise God. Matthew 26, verse 39. Amen. It's right after verse 38. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could you what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The second prayer now. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Jesus was at a critical point in his life, a critical juncture in his journey to the cross. And while he deeply prayed to his father, knowing that he was about to be betrayed, he asked that his disciples watch with him. However, three times they disappointed him. Did Jesus go into a tirade? Did he go screaming, raving mad and curse them out? Did he beat them up? Did Jesus vow never to speak to them again or make a promise to himself to get even later on? Amen. Did Jesus decide to get even by not going to the cross? Think about that. Did Jesus decide to not get even by not going to the cross? Well, praise God that he loved us enough to continue with his mission. So must we be with people that enter into our lives, family, friends, our children, associates at work and at church. We must be understanding, patient, loving. We must not fall into the trap of expecting others to behave or react exactly the way that we think they must act. We must understand that we are all human beings and as such are far from perfect. Even if we're Christians, we're far from being perfect and, and are there and are therefore subject to, to error. 
We must all learn to have the same level of love for each other that Jesus has for all of us. And when someone doesn't live up to the expectations or you find yourself in a difficult situation, remember to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? You see? So in going through this life and, 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 and asking yourself, how am I managing your life? That's a couple of things to hang on to right there. First of all, are you receiving God's word deep within your spirit? Are you understanding what's being said? And then also to ask yourself when these situations arise in your life, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus handle the bad news? What words would Jesus automatically speak back to the situation so that he is not he is not just put to the point where he's under attack so much that he cannot recover? Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? Don't let the word of God just fall by the wayside so that those those seeds of the word can be stolen away from you. It could start this afternoon. It could start Monday morning. You see, and the interesting thing around you is that the more you become aware of the possibility of seeds being snatched away, from you, the word being snatched away, the more those opportunities will arise in your life where they could be snatched away. The more those situations will arise where your faith will be challenged. And the strongest part of your faith is you're having faith when no one else around you has faith or very few around you has faith. I've seen people actually get I've seen people get ticked off, annoyed at me because of the fact I refuse to give up faith. How can you keep talking so positive? How can you keep saying this? Don't you see? Don't you see? Don't you see? And I say, I see something greater because I'm going to hold fast, hold fast to my profession of faith. I'm not going to let it be stolen or snatched away from you, regardless of what the search situation around me looks like, regardless of what they're saying, regardless of what's being whispered into my ear. I'm going to hold fast on what the word of God says, because I'm not going to let the devil steal those seeds away from me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. And now, before we close, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.